All right, again, I try to make my disclaimer of we're really not learning from them, right? Okay, so y'all do know that. Uh, we're using them as an example maybe of what not uh, to do. But uh, we're studying the commandments, and my, and my reason for that, I, I think it, it's a good thing for us uh, to understand that God gives us these laws as loving commands. I mean, they are God's way of helping us to be able to um, protect ourselves to protect us from ourselves. I mean, to, to be able to be spoken to us, to guide us in our principles uh, for life. And so I encourage you to think about these, not as burdens, uh, but truly in order to be able to live life to the full, the way that Jesus Christ wants us to live, uh, these commandments still are great for us to think about uh, and to explore. And so I want you to, to know what they are. I want you to know what the Ten Commandments are. And you got a reprieve last week because I listened to the service and, and, and Al, who did a great job, he did not get you to recite the Ten Commandments. Uh, so I should make you do it twice, uh, but I won't. Um, but I do want to see, we only have had seven of them so far. And I thought about seeing if anybody wanted to take a challenge that they could say all seven of the ones we've studied, but I won't. But that may be coming, so just to give you a heads up. Uh, so somebody tell me what's the first commandment? No other gods, what'd you say? No gods but me, okay. So what's the second commandment? No graven images. Somebody else give me the third. Do not take the Lord's name. That was a hard one for us the last time I did this. So y'all are getting better. So do not take the Lord's name in vain. Do not use the name of Yahweh in a way that was, that's insignificant. What's the fourth one? Keep the Sabbath holy. All right. Somebody else give me the fifth one. Honor your father and mother. Okay. Somebody give me the sixth one. Do not commit murder. Do not kill. Somebody give me the seventh one. No adultery. Do not commit adultery. That's right. So y'all said so we got seven. I want y'all to know them. So we got to make, sh make sure that you're thinking about them throughout the week. All right. So we're going to come to the eighth commandment. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up. We're going to look at a few passages this morning. Look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Verse 15. Very simple. Do not steal. That's the commandment. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, flip over to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Doom to those who pronounce wicked decrees and keep writing harmful laws to deprive the needy of their rights and to rob the poor among my people of justice, to make widows their loot, to steal from orphans. And then while you're in the scriptures, flip over to Matthew chapter 25. The New Testament, Matthew chapter 25. I want us to look at verses 42 and 43. I was hungry and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. These are the words of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, 
You could look at this passage, the commandment, do not steal, and you could make this a very simple message. Uh, Al talked a little bit about that last week of we could read that and go, okay, well, I'm good with this. Let's move on. Um, but as what we have learned with the commandments, the, there's greater implications, right? And so we have seen those, especially as we go into these ethical commandments, we realize that do not kill means more than just simply do not kill. There's something about the words that we use and how we treat each other and that our actions can cause harm. And so that brings in different implications for that commandment. Do not commit adultery. Al talked about last week that it's your heart, right? That you've got to look at your heart. And I love the part where Al had talked about the fact that your uh, actions and your intentions cannot be separated. Uh, and so we learn how to guard our heart is what he said. And so uh, there are other implications with each one of the commandments. And the same is true for do not steal. I think if we open our hearts this morning, we can see that God's word speaks in ways that we cannot even imagine or don't want to think about. Now, the truth is this commandment has a lot to do with economy. It has a lot to do with uh, resources and how we, how we navigate through that and how we look at those things. In the ancient world, this commandment addressed the exploitation of workers and kidnapping of people. Now, that may sound weird, and you may think that that's not related, but but Scripture is pretty clear, I believe, that this commandment has a lot to do with that. Today, we would call it sex trafficking. Uh, today, we would talk about people who bring people across the border and then uh, exploit them because they know that if they're found, then they would be sent back to their country of origin. Uh, and these are the types of experiences that throughout history, we have seen humanity come to, to, to perpetuate. And so part of what we have to realize is that we see this in lots of places in the world, and we even see it here in the United States. The mission team for the Dominican Republic, if you talk to anybody who's gone down there, you will see that they are, they are dealing with issues that still are the result of slavery and the exploitation of people. The poverty that exists, uh, a lot of that comes because of the complications and implications for things that have happened um, through the course of history in that country. And so we see that that is happening. People have friends that have ministries in Liberia. They have friends that we have ministry in Venezuela. And all of them will tell you that throughout the world you can see slavery still exists. Uh, you can see the exploitation of people. Exodus chapter 21 says this, anyone who kidnaps a person whether they have been sold or are still being held, should be put to death. And this is given to us just after the Ten Commandments. So we can connect this idea of stealing to the taking of other people. Deuteronomy chapter 24 says this, If someone is caught kidnapping their fellow Israelites, intending to enslave the Israelite or sell them, that kidnapper must die. Remove such evil from your community. I mean, sometimes we hear about things like this and we don't, we, we, we don't stop and realize, I mean, you see it in the Bible. My favorite, one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is Joseph. I've told y'all that. What happens to Joseph? Joseph is sold where? Into slavery, right? He's sold into slavery by his brothers. 
And I love what all he, what he does and how he responds when all that occurs. But you can see this in the biblical narrative that this is, this is a common practice and it still exists today. And so this economic human exploitation, it applies to so many things and it applies to additional things in scripture. You can see in scripture that you were supposed to pay employees adequate wage. You didn't, if you had people, you had land, you had people that were working the land, you were expected to pay them for that. James in the New Testament is often considered the wisdom literature of the New Testament. Look at what James says in chapter five. Pay attention, you wealthy people. Weep and moan over the miseries coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Moths have destroyed your clothes. Your gold and silver have rusted and their rust will be evidence against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. Consider the treasure you have hoarded in the last days. Look at what it says in verse 4. Listen, hear the cries of the wages of your field hands. These are the wages you stole from those who harvested your fields. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of heavenly forces. You have lived a self-satisfying life on this earth, a life of luxury. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. And it's interesting, when we hear this in the New Testament, do you know who James is writing to? He's writing to the people in the church. He's writing to the wealthy Christians. He's writing to us. And what James says is you stole from them. I mean, it's hard for us. We're passionate. If we bring up economic inequality, we're very passionate about that on either side of the equation. But don't you wonder sometimes, or at least I do, I wonder, what would Jesus say to the fact that the 500 richest people in the world have more wealth than the poorest 2.5 billion people in the world? 500 richest over the 2.5 billion poorest. I'm just saying that throughout scripture, prophets warn against this. They tell us to be careful about this. They considered it stealing. Before ministry, Claire and I were in business and we were in business to make a profit. I mean, I, I don't apologize for that. We were there to, to make money and to, and to, but we had employees and it was important for us that our employees prospered. I mean, they should have a good life, right? I mean, to even today, still, we see some of them occasionally if we go back to where my hometown was and we have good relationships with them. I mean, if you're, if you're in business as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't separate those things. They're together. There's so many implications. How many of you can finish this statement? Finders, keepers, losers, we, everybody. See, we, how did we learn all that? I mean, how do we, that is an ethic that we are taught. I mean, we're, we, we grow up with this idea that if I find something and nobody's around me, nobody claims it, it's mine, right? I mean, it, it, we learn this ethic from a little child and we teach it to our grandchildren, our children. Nobody claims it, so it's mine. Somebody should have been smart enough to put it away, right? However, this commandment helps us to maybe think about that ethic in a different way. Exodus chapter 23, 
Look at what it says in verses 4 and 5. When you happen to come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has wandered off, you should bring it back to them. When you see a donkey that belongs to someone who hates you and it's lying down under its load and you are inclined not to help set it free, you must help set it free. I mean, even if the neighbor is somebody you don't like and their donkey is struggling, the scripture says you're still supposed to help set it free. Jesus teaches it by saying that you're supposed to love your enemy. That's the ethical commandment. These passages remind us that we're not just supposed to see people as having value. We've talked about that. They're supposed to see people that have value and the way that we treat them expresses whether they have value or not. But we also have responsibility for our neighbor and for our enemy. We have responsibility for our neighbor's stuff and keeping it for ourselves is not okay. This is the ethic God is calling us to as followers of Jesus. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We learn that and those are not just words. It's an ethic that Jesus Christ teaches us. In the first century, rabbis taught it the other way, which is don't do to others what you don't want others to do to you. Don't do that. But Jesus flips it around and says, not only are you not supposed to not do something that you don't want somebody to do to you, you're supposed to do, proactively do to others what you would want them to do to you. I remember when we were in college, we went on a camping trip and we found a wallet and it had a good bit of money in it. And we debated what to do with that wallet. Uh, just being honest, there was a lot of debate. And I'll just be full disclosure, which was I was on the not so good side of the debate. Uh, and so we debated on what we should do with that wallet. But ultimately, we came to the point that we should try to find whose wallet that was. And it was, we were in college. Would have been, I mean, a lot of money in college was... Not something that most of us had. Um, and to then have to go and try to find and work to, to find the person that had this wallet it was made it even more difficult. But still the question comes back to the ethic that Jesus calls us to do. What's your integrity worth? What's your character worth? I think God is saying to us people, you're to live differently than what our culture may teach. So... What ways do we steal? Because I bet if I had asked most of us, how many of you are thieves? Most of us would probably not raise our hands. I sent a message to some of my clergy colleagues and I said, how, how would you interpret this? What, what are ways that we steal? And I got some very interesting responses, some that I didn't particularly like. One said, what about time? What about time? Two weeks ago, before vacation, uh, I had a meeting with uh, the pastor at Jackson. And I had scheduled it and said, okay, let's meet. We were kind of begin the transition. And I said, let's meet. And so we agreed to meet at his office at 1 o'clock on a particular day. I think it was Monday of that week. 
So as I was getting ready to leave, I mean, I have GPS. I know how long it takes to get to Jackson UMC. And so I knew that I was uh, getting close to the time, but there was something else that I thought about doing before I left. I thought, well, I got one more thing I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send one more email or one more fax, whatever it was. And I did that, got in the car, and I knew I was gonna be about 10 or 15 minutes late. And I was driving down the road. And I thought in my head, maybe I should call and to let them know that I'm running late, but I didn't. I just showed up late. I got there. He was very gracious. We met. But I could tell he was a little more anxious than I was for us to part. And what it was is he had another appointment. I had stolen time, right? I had stolen time from what he had planned to do. We needed to get this done or needed to begin the process. But my choosing to be late, one more fax, one more email, stole time. How often are we guilty of stealing time? One clergy wrote in the discussion of time, he talked about, y'all aren't going to like this one, when service is supposed to start at 10 and we show up at 10.15. The worship team has worked and practiced and put together a service, but yet we show up late. Are we stealing time? How often are we guilty? What about credit? We take credit for something someone else did. Again, I hear these and the week before Lydia graduated, they had a big function at her school and we went up and Lydia's best friend's parents were there and they were talking about something about, it was lunch and his wife was giving him credit for something he had not done, he jokingly told me, I said, well, you need to take credit for it because you want the brownie points when you can get the brownie points. I'm literally writing a sermon about not taking credit for something you do, and yet I'm telling him to do what I just wrote down that he shouldn't do. I mean, do y'all see? I mean, I'm just like, how, how often are we guilty of stealing time or stealing credit? What about negotiating a deal? You're getting ready to sell a car and maybe you know something is wrong with the car, but if you confess that, it's gonna decrease the value of the car. And so you keep that little bit of information to yourself. How many times do we only look at things from our perspective rather than the perspective of the other person and these are ways that we can take away. I think this is what Jesus was saying to us. Jesus' very first sermon in Luke chapter 4 begins with these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. And the good news that the poor hear is that we're going to treat you the way that we would want to be treated. The good news of this ethic is that they would be treated of the same value and the same worth. That's what Jesus told us. Now my guess is that most of us would not consider ourselves thieves. But we often steal time, we steal joy, we steal blessings. 
I had somebody tell me one time about doing something for someone and they said, I don't want to take away your blessing. How many times do we, in a position of need, and somebody reaches out to say, let me do this for you, and we say no. Did I just steal their blessing? We steal joy, hope, time on a daily basis. The truth is we've all stolen. But I have good news for you again today. When Jesus was on the cross between two thieves, and one thief disregards Jesus, mocks him, but the other turns to him and says, remember me. And Jesus turns to him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus doesn't say, well, you're just a thief and you're no good. He says, today you'll be with me. See, today's message, the commandment, is a challenge, but it's also a promise. Because if you're like me and I really begin to investigate and think about what does it mean to steal, I realize I probably do it every week. But thankfully, Jesus forgives me. Do not steal, the scripture says. May you hear it today to challenge yourself, but you may you also hear it as a promise from God. If you're able, if you would stand with me as we unite together and say the Lord's Prayer. Pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.